Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey there and welcome to U.S. WhoCast episode 61 of the podcast. This week it's our 10 Who for series 9 episode 6, The Woman Who Lived, written by Catherine Trajina, Trajina, um, I know that name from Torchwood, but I never knew how to pronounce it, and uh, directed by Edward Bazalget. I hope I pronounced that one right. Who knows? Let me know if I didn't. Anyway, my name is Matt Murdick, and there's no website for this podcast, but if you have any thoughts, you can always contact me, uswhocast at gmail.com with any thoughts that you have, and we've got an email from Mark this week that I'll read for you at the end of the podcast. Thank you so much. If you do take the time also to leave me a review of the written kind on iTunes uh, at one of these points, I'll go and look and see if I've gotten any new reviews lately. But uh, it does help me stay more noticeable among all of the other great Doctor Who podcasts. And this particular podcast, I'm very pleased to be part of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. You can always find it on that feed Anyway, uh, the woman who lived, you know, and maybe I'm just perceiving things because I, I'm constantly thinking of Moffat as kind of a fairy tale kind of guy. But I th- really thought that I saw a lot of old fairy tales kind of stories twisted up uh, into Doctor Who this week. First of all, I, I kind of like in this whole immortality thing that a shield is going to kind of to like the old vampire curse in a way. I mean... I think that this is a demonstration that the immortality is what can turn a person, a human being, into, you know, kind of a quote-unquote monster. I mean, just imagine if you continually lost people uh, who you had become close to generation after generation. Uh, you would become cold to the value of human life, probably. I think this is a, episode is a great demonstration of that. And because of that, it's great that in the end, we we kind of see the doctor is having made a big mistake here. Um, but he's also pulling away the greatest lesson from that mistake. And that is that a basically has taught him to remember how he can never allow himself to become the way she had over the 800 years or whatever. I also thought it was a nice touch to imply that perhaps a brain is not really capable of holding as many memories as she's actually lived. So she has to write everything down in journals And, you know, she's had a pretty great set of lives, so to speak. I mean, a queen, and she's been founder of a leper colony, and she's uh, been fighting in a decisive battle uh, during the Hundred Years' War. The thing about that whole journal thing, though, you know, with with the missing pages, the pages that have been ripped away, and it seems like there's tear stains on the pages, um, that really touched me. You know, and and I think that says a lot about what the doctor's decision has done to Ashilda, which is terrible uh, in its own way. One thing I don't understand, though, is if she did have all of this pain, why did she not use the extra device on one of the people that she truly cared for? I don't understand why she hadn't done it all way. I guess it shows kind of a a restraint of Ashilda. Or maybe even it shows Ashilda being smart in the fact that she would never wish this kind of life that she has on anyone else. 
because you know the way she's become totally uncaring is that's what the doctor probably regrets most about his decision to save her life in the prior episode right but i do find it kind of interesting that they she ends up calling them friends by the end of the episode um and they are protect they're both kind of have the same goal to protect earth uh but obviously in vastly different ways where the doctor has always protected Earth from the outside universe and any threats in that respect. Uh, Ashilda seems to take on this mantle that she's going to protect Earth from the Doctor himself. And that, of course, reminds us of all of those threads we've had in Moffat years in the past of this series where, uh, you know, there there are perceptions of the Doctor uh, being a monster of his own in his own sort of way um, as compared to uh, if he'd have just stayed out of everybody's way. So kind of interesting there there's another kind of fairy tale wrapped up in this whole thing i guess or that i saw and that was the whole beauty and the beast thing and of course in this case the beast is that leandro the um lion alien i didn't catch the species name did they say it um the 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 creature looked familiar to me actually but i just watched the episode so i can't recall if we've really seen that alien type or not uh, in any episodes prior. Either way, uh, this that part of the story was actually very secondary to me than what I just talked about in terms of the whole idea of what ramifications the doctor's decisions can sometimes have. And it didn't really do that much for me, the, the whole Leandro part of it. It was just kind of a means to an end uh, to me and, and a way to conveniently get rid of that second device the other thing the person that the, the device was used on the whole sam swift thing um i didn't really care for that uh i didn't really get invested in him or what would happen to him uh, or even if the device will continue to work on him or not even though at the end of the episode the doctor's explanation of the counterbalance between the medallion and and the device um that seems satisfactory enough to where it doesn't really matter whether Sam Swift, you know, we're not going to feel cheated if he doesn't live forever, right? I'm not going to care whether he lives forever or not. Uh, Somebody else who's mentioned, though, that does live forever, as we know, is Captain Jack Harkness. He was mentioned in this app, and of course that's not surprising because Catherine uh, Tregena, as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, uh, she worked on the Torchwood series for a couple of years. She wrote several, uh, three or four episodes of the Torchwood series a few years back, uh, between 2006 and 2008. Um, so it was nice that uh, we got a Jack Harkness reference, especially given the material of being immortal and all. A couple of little nitpicks for me that I just didn't really like. Um, first of all, the whole Ashilda posing as a male robber at the beginning. I, I didn't see why that was even needed. Um, and I didn't see it very being very realistic at all. It could show somebody with a slightly more feminine voice uh, to do the voice, the male voiceover on that. Cause it just seemed too drastic for the way Maisie talks and whoever that actor was that did the voiceover. It just didn't make any sense. It didn't, and it seemed pointless. I guess is my point. And um, secondly, evidently the sonic sunglasses are very easily repaired. And I know that there are some fans that really don't like them. I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent to it, but um, I'm sure a few fans were groaning on that one. 
Um, one thing that it does prove is that we can't say that this episode happened before last week's because the doctor knows who Ashilda is and uh, more importantly, she knows who he is. So um, it has to be post those glasses getting broken and so it does prove that they're repairable. But that kind of brings me to my final point that I have about this episode and that's about Clara. Uh, because while this week's app definitely has to have happened post last week's, I'm not entirely convinced that next week's app won't have happened before this week's app because of the way the doctor says, I missed you, Clara Oswald, when she finally does appear at the end of this episode. It's like it's been a very long time since he's seen her, and I can't help but believe that that's because Whatever happens in this next episode might be the reason why he hasn't seen her in a long while. Or maybe in the next two episodes if it is another two-parter. Because the way we see episodes can be all timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly, despite whatever the Doctor's personal timeline is, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. The other thing that, that kind of got me thinking about that was the fact that when after he sees the selfie and he sees the Shilda in it, um, there seems to be this kind of knowing look in the doctor's eyes for the rest of the episode, and I have no idea what that means. Um, we all know about Jenna Coleman, so I don't know if this is the setup for the big goodbye or, or what's going on here, but I guess we'll have to tune in next week uh, to find out. And I almost feel dirty for saying this, but I thought this episode was really good, but I, it didn't really make me appreciate the first part of the episode, like the other two-parters have, um, for the most part. I wasn't real thrilled about the first part of the, of the, the lake one either, um, even after the second episode, uh, of that series had done, but, um, this one I think actually hurts last week's episode. I was very high on last week's episode, and I'm gonna, I'm very high on this week's episode. I'm gonna give it an 8.4, but, I think I gave last week's episode an 8.5 and I almost feel like the fact that just showing the ramifications of everything from last week's episode it, it felt like it felt like the whole story could have been pushed into one episode that you didn't need nearly the amount of fluff in last week's episode it makes last week's episode seem a, a lot more like fluff than it did before I guess is what I'm saying um, so I'm going to drop last week's to an 8.2. I'm going to give this week's an 8.4. Uh, and, uh, that's in relation to how they fit together and, uh, and how they fit in the overall arc. Although if Ashilda is a big part of, uh, Claire's upcoming storyline, um, then maybe we'll have to re-examine these ratings once again, uh, next week. We'll have to see. Speaking of last week's episode, I did get some feedback from Mark on The Girl Who Died, Beautifully Photographed, Natural Light, and Sunset Colors, Comedy Vikings, A Laugh Out Loud, When the Training Turned to Fiery Disaster, The Benny Hill Theme, Other References to 70s British Television Shows, Lofty, Nog in the Nog, Plenty of Good Things for Capaldi and Coleman to Do, Talking Baby Used to a Great Effect, Geographically Misplaced Electric Eels, but the Vikings did reach North America, I believe, so. Um, and then Sonic Sunglasses snapped in half, which probably raised a cheer from the curmudgeons, and a terrific guest star, as I knew she'd be. So, who, if anyone, does the shield to give the second immortality?
vitality patch too. Does Clara get it? And does the Doctor keep more of the patches? And might this be my favorite episode of the season so far? I didn't like the robot of Sherwood last last year. Actually, I only liked two episodes last year. And there are obvious similarities between the two. But I think they're writing Capaldi's Doctor better. And Clara is no longer annoying. And for all the silly moments, this story was more serious. And will, I think, have more consequence. Probably the best of the season so far. Um, thanks. Well, you got some answers to some of those questions that you wrote in from last week. Uh, Mark goes on to say, could I just clarify my thoughts on Clara and Danny from last season? I thought I detected some bemusement on your part as you read out my email. Thanks for that, by the way. Oh, sorry. It probably did. Uh, but anyway, uh, Mark goes on to explain, yes, I thought Danny was a terrible character and played by someone incapable of any expression beyond dead-eyed blankness. It was an interesting choice to introduce a character with no redeeming features, but you would expect him to change through his quote-unquote story arc. Danny didn't. If Samuel Anderson had been even competent, he might have elevated it. Take Rory at the start. But Arthur Darvel is an exceptional actor and gave life to Rory, life that led to greater importance of the story. Danny never changed. As he dragged the character of Clara down with him, I never believed that she would be interested in him. She wants adventure. He's a deadweight. But if you accept that, then why does she give in to his ultimatums? Why does she lie? The awfulness of this reaches a climax in the forest of the night. Danny decides to kill the kids, all because they're missing their moms and dads, and Clara goes along with it. Clara of Season 7 wouldn't have done that. Clara of Season 9 wouldn't have done that. For some reason, they decided that these two people should be awful together. Yes, I liked Clara in Season 7. People say she had no character. Did these people actually watch Rings, Cold War, Hyde, Journey, Name of the Doctor? She starts a lost person, possibly even a little depressed, but finds new direction in life with this dashing young man in his time machine. She's brave and optimistic. People say she was a plot device. Well, yes, she is a plot device for the Doctor, but she wasn't a plot device for herself. And people forget that or don't realize it. If you want a more experienced grown-up version of that Clara, then we have her in Season 9. Alright, Mark, thanks so much for the thoughts. And that's going to do it for this week's US Who Cast. We'll see you next week with the next episode. Bye.